Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is pre-recorded and brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Welcome to the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halvey. Thanks for staying with me. As you heard, this is brought to you by TFS Financial and Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions. That's me. Hey, thanks for being here. Look, we've talked a lot about your financial life over the years, and for a lot of people, look, the goal was to help you get out of debt, manage money, plan for your future. I love it because a lot of us have taglines. A lot of us in the business of financial, uh, as a financial professional, our goal is to walk you through different phases of life. There are some folks that are amazing at you taking risk, growing your wealth, uh, being somebody who's who has connections to that IPO, that in, initial public offering of buying. I remember when they were trying to sell me pre-IPO Facebook shares, and I had a chance to buy them. I, I mean, at pennies on the dollar, and it was trying to buy out employees or long-term employees who wanted to sell some of their shares as a just-in-case. I remember that. I, I don't know, it was 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was when Facebook went public. I had my office in Santa Barbara, and I remember meeting with some folks. Uh, I decided not to do that, right? If you take a look at the end, one of those was a good decision. One probably wasn't. Um, and, and, you know, we all we all look at that as an option when we are growing our wealth. We're going to give up something. What are we going to give up? We're going to make something. What is the potential? That really matters, especially when you have a risk uh, period of time in your life when you're younger, when you're younger, I'm okay if you decide to take some risk. I'm okay if you're somebody who says, uh, listen, I'm 35 years old. I don't mind putting it all on red because if it wins big, I can retire at 50. And if I lose, it doesn't matter. I planned on working to 65 anyway. But isn't it different the older we get? A lot of folks will try to condition you to get involved and to, to back into products, to backdoor into products and services that they offer. We don't. I know that you're only right. Uh, we're only right for some of your money and for some people. We're right for the folks that say, I want to protect the principal, grow it in a reasonable way, somewhere between 0 and 10, 0 and 12% a year. The goal is to help you get some of your money into a safe place where the principal never goes backwards. In fact, you've heard me say this before. We're never going to make you rich, but we're going to keep you from going broke. That's what we do. All you do is you focus on a couple of things in life. Number one, you live within your means. Always make sure that you're spending less than you're bringing in. It doesn't matter how you're making your money, whether it's through Social Security or pensions or uh, rental property. Spend less than you make. Number two is while you are saving, while you are building uh, your wealth, you should be setting aside money for the future. There isn't a change that should occur when you retire. When you're retiring and you're still earning income from Social Security and, and, and pension, etc., you should also be setting aside money for emergency accounts. I don't know, $500, 1000 10000 whatever it is per month, because I want you to get into the conditioning, the habit 
of setting aside money for emergencies. So you're never somebody who says, I can't wait to spend 110% of my paycheck when I retire. Right? I did all my saving. I gave it the office. <laughs> I did the 401k match. I'm done. No, I want you to be in the habits of saving because here's what happens. As you are building your wealth and, and, and saving money and, and working and raising a family or whatever you're doing, you realize that you're building habits because financial habits don't change just because you flipped a switch and said, and now I'm retired. Because number three, keep in mind at where you have the risk. Here's what I mean. We had a gentleman who was a principal of a high school. He had had other jobs and he'd promoted and, and didn't save well and spent money very, uh, I don't want to say foolishly, it's his money. I don't care. Let him spend it how he wants. But he reached retirement age and he had a small pension, about 4000 a month. I guess it was a lot of money, but compared to his income, which was almost 8000 a month. So he was used to taking home $8,000 a month after taxes, after putting money into his retirement accounts and all of his benefits. And now his pension was going to be 4000 a month. So he said, Arif, I have my retirement account and I want that to fill the gap. And he was referred to us by a teacher, teacher that had been a teacher for many years, educator for many years, but her habits were about saving. She was very good at what she did. She set aside money for the future. No problems. She retired a little earlier than his age. So he said, well, then if she can do it, I can. So he says, Arif, I have $52,000 in my retirement account. I said, okay, great job. Thank you. you know, I'm glad. What can I help you with? He says, well, I want this to give me the difference, the $4,000 a month. I said, okay, what other monies do you have? He said, well, this is it. I said, well, I can't help you. He said, well, why? Is that not enough money for you to, to work with? I said, look, I'll work with whatever you... The minimum the companies that we work with is $5,000. So I'll work with anything. It doesn't matter to me. What's more important is you understand that if you're going to need uh, $4,000 a month out of this 50, you're going to run out of money in a year. So here's what I can give you. And I forget the number I said. Here's where I would be comfortable saying this is what you can earn per month. And, and if he does, if he takes this much out per month, he's great. But it was so much lower than his 4000 a month. It was a couple hundred dollars, 200, 250. That's what you get. He said, that's not going to make a difference in my life. I said, well, there's nothing I can do. He says, well, what can I do with this 50,000? And of course, tongue in cheek and a little bit jokingly, I said, in a year, you're going to be broke anyway, and you're going to have to go back to work. So just start working now so you can keep the 50,000. He said, no, 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 no. I am retiring in June. I don't care what happens. All right. So then Go to Las Vegas, take all 50, put it on your favorite set of numbers or red or blue or green. I don't care. Put it on someplace and roll the dice and see what, ha see what happens. Because that's your really only your chance of making anything substantial with the kind of interest that he needs in the period of time that he needs. I share that story with you because although he was an educator prior to being a principal, I think he still can teach us a lesson, can he? He's still teaching. He doesn't know it, but his habits are teaching us a lesson. And the lesson is, number one, if you're going to retire, it's a financial uh, formula. It's a numbers game. I don't care if you feel like one plus one is nine or you believe with all your heart that one plus one is 15. It's still two. 
One plus one is two. Whether you believe it, whether you like it, whether you hold a protest sign and, and walk around City Hall, one plus one is still two. And that's an important lesson for all of us. Because when I say live below your means is a, is a big key to retirement, it is. Your family doesn't have a choice. They need you to pay, uh, you know, pay the bills, do the things you have to do. That's important. Okay, next. When I say the risk about going up or down, ask yourself this question. Let's say you had $500,000 in your retirement account. Add a zero, take away a zero. It doesn't matter. The the formula is going to be the same and certainly the lesson. If $500,000 becomes $750,000, right? Oh my gosh, in the next couple of years, you had a 50% gain. That's amazing. That's great. 50% gain. $500,000 becomes $750,000. Will you fly around on private jets, buy a new fancy Italian sports car? Will you... Uh, stay in in luxury hotels around the world in this amazing cruise that you take? Probably not. You'll have your lifestyle. You'll be more comfortable. You'll certainly sleep better at night. And you'll feel like you can splurge maybe on two scoops of ice cream instead of one. Right? There's probably something like that. Now take a look at what the risk is on the downside. If the market corrects and does what a lot of experts are saying, which is we're going to go backwards, we're going to have a big correction. In fact, the president of Vanguard, right? Vanguard Mutual Fund, you all know that? Said you should be able and you should be comfortable and should expect two different 50% declines in the next 10 years. And he said you need to be comfortable with that. If you are putting your money in the market, in the next 10 years, you should expect not one, but two different 50% declines. And if you're okay with that, so in other words, your $500,000 nest egg goes down to two hundred and fifty. are you okay with that? Are you good? And saying, you know what, I, I, I'm all right. How does that affect your lifestyle? How does that, <laughs> here's, here's this one, how does it affect you sleeping at night? So if you think that the market is going to be a place where you want to have all of your money and you're okay with it going backwards, 50%, well, then the president of Vanguard says stay in. Now, what I want to caution you about is a lot of people will say, well, we diversify. So ask them this. True diversification means my money doesn't go backwards when the market goes backwards. So true diversification, in other words, what I'm concerned about is if the market goes backwards, do I lose some or part of my money? And if the answer is yes, if you can, then you're not really diversified. It just means you lose money in your left pocket and your right pocket. Or you lose a little bit more than your neighbor or a little bit less than your friend? In, in our opinion, true diversification, real diversification, is where some or part of your money doesn't go backwards when the market goes backwards, where you don't pay fees to grow your wealth, where no matter what the broker and the Wall Street machine always gets paid. I mean, you understand. For a lot of these guys to get paid, your money has to be at risk. Ask them, if my money sits in the money market account, do I pay a fee? See what they say. And they'll say, wow, 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 big word, big word, fancy word, diversification, true, beta, alpha. You say, okay, I got it, I got it. Listen, I'm just not that smart. I don't understand this stuff very much. I just got a quick question. Um, it may, it, it, maybe I'll reword it because I'm not sure if it, if it makes a lot of sense. So in other words, for me to pay a fee, for you guys to make a living, do I have to risk the potential of me losing my money in bonds. 
in stocks? Could, could I Mutual funds, whatever, ETFs. Could I lose my money if the market goes backwards? Ask that question. And if you are not satisfied with the answer, or you are not satisfied, which is more common, the way that it's answered, right? Because sometimes the disrespect of you, your knowledge, lack of knowledge, right? This isn't your world. No more would you expect a broker to walk into your job either now or when you were working if you're retired and to say, okay, so listen, um, here's what I have as an opinion. Here's how I want things to go. Uh, and you would say, sir, ma'am, uh, you don't even know where the stapler is. So of course I don't expect you to know my career field. You don't know my job. You don't know what I do. So instead, you should be treated the same way with a lot of respect and simplicity where they don't expect you to read and know an entire prospectus or financial product. Look, they, they're going to give you, they have to, they're legally, you better be provided with things from these companies. You should. And that's fine. And that's the law. But there should also be a simple set of answers to a simple set of questions. Can I lose my money if the market goes backwards? And if the answer is yes, say, then do I still pay you guys a fee? Well, we make more money when you make, well, yeah, of course, because you charge a higher fee because the account went from 100000 to 150 so you'll make more money. But what if it goes from 100000 down to seventy five? Do you get paid still? Well, yes, we get paid less. No, 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 I didn't say how much. Of course you get paid less. But do you still get paid? Because I want you to make sure that if your money is protected from the market declines, if it doesn't go backwards, and that is important for you, then maybe we can help. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's triple eight ninety nine retire. Triple eight nine nine seven three eight four seven. That's what we do. That's our phone numbers. You can get a hold of us at any time. That's our job is to be able to help you kind of walk through this craziness of retirement and get yourself a chance to not go backwards. I don't want you to say, hey, I can't wait to lose my money when I retire. Nobody does that. Right? That's that's not important. Okay, so when I say strategic income or guaranteed sources of income, sometimes you've heard those different words. What do we mean? Well, number one, remember the companies you work with, they have to have some level of of uh, solvency. They have to be solid companies, A-rated, A-plus rated. They have to have been around for a while. I don't like companies that don't have minimum guarantees. I want to have a minimum guarantee. I want to have a company or a product that has been in business long enough to have gone through some ups and downs, Right? We're working with companies where there's been one, two, five market corrections. I love it when they use that word correction. Isn't that funny? You ever ask yourself correction? Okay, so let me guess. It's wrong for me to make money because you say a correction, which is when it goes down. So that's the right thing. And then it's a wrong thing for me to have made money. It's silly. And then always ask yourself, if I have a set a, a series of income, what happens if one of us pass away? Right? You're going to have different sources of income when you retire. You're going to have, hopefully, my Social Security, her Social Security, my pension, his pension, rental property, investment dollars, whatever. You're going to have many sources of income. I'd like you to have three, four, five would be amazing. Six would be incredible. I would like you to have multiple sources of income so we don't have to worry if the market goes backwards. Because if the real estate market has another 2008 and your homes are vacant, or we had clients who had property and the Obama administration comes in 
It was in an oil drilling area where they did oil drilling and, and fracking and uh, they couldn't build homes fast enough. And there were folks there and they were making, uh, the, the employees were making lots of money, doing great things. Oil prices were low. The Obama administration comes in with uh, Interior Secretary Ken Salazar, former governor of Colorado. He comes in, goes into this re- region and says, no more oil drilling. Now, look, we knew this was going to happen under the Bush administration. They knew that there was going to be some problems. So the rules were written that said, as long as you drilled a hole and capped it, then it counted as drilled. So the federal permit stood. So what a lot of people did during the election and the inauguration is they dug holes. Boom, 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 boom. They capped them so that they could come back later and take out the oil and keep oil prices reasonable. However, the Obama administration came in and said, we are no longer allowing it. We are not honoring any of those sites. Well, all of the rigs left. The oil rigs, unless they were in the ground, the ones that were coming up next, as soon as they finished a project, they were gone because they couldn't drill anymore on the existing oil wells. So they went to China. They went to the Gulf of Mexico. In fact, the Obama administration, if you were listening to my show eight, ten years ago, We were talking about how they approved China to drill in U.S. waters in the Gulf of Mexico where they were not subject to U.S. EPA regulations. And so now you had Environmental Protection Agency rules that kept workers safe, that kept certain oil uh, pipeline uh, mishaps from occurring, and, and people weren't subject to them. So the same rigs influenced the amount of dollars, uh, influenced the amount of rigs that went to the Gulf. So when two years went by, two years plus August from January, because it, it ha- they uh, af- a week after he was uh, inaugurated, they, they canceled the uh, permits a week or two after, boom. So two years and a half, the Supreme Court in a near unanimous decision said, you couldn't do that. The rules were written, President Obama, where if the hole was drilled, they were allowed to drill it. And he goes, up. you're right. Well, meanwhile, what happened? Clients that owned rental property in that region suffered. Businesses suffered. Rental rates that were $2,000 a month had to go down to $700, $800 a month. And the renters knew it. So the renters would say, okay, you know, I I signed a contract for $1,800 a month, but mm, I only want to pay $1,100. And so that's what they would do. They'd pay $1,100 for a period of time and then say, "Ah, now I'm going to pay $900. And if you wanted to keep somebody in your home, what happened to your rental income? A lot of homes in that area. A lot of property went in foreclosure. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? So there's a political risk. I don't want all your eggs in one basket. If you were somebody that said, all of my wealth is tied in real estate in that region or that's subject to the oil world, then when times are good, times are great. When times are bad, they're horrible. So diversification is real. I want you to spread out your wealth, spread out your income, so you're not counting on one source, one government agency, one uh, regulatory body to shut everything down in 15 minutes, right? Even though the Obama administration, everybody was telling them left and right, were saying, you can't do that. It's wrong. I was covering it on my shows regularly, monthly. And we said, you can't do that kind of stuff. And they said, oh, well, tough luck, sue us. 
And then they did. But instead of holding them personally responsible, right, people lost personal wealth. But the president and Ken Salazar, the interior secretary, well, tough luck. Sorry about that. Like, oh, my word, do you not understand? This is, these are life savings for people. So do you not think the crazies on the far left, if and when, and we always cycle through, they get power, you need to have some sort of protection in case, just in case, you end up with too much of your eggs in one basket. All right, so I want you to pay attention to that. Last thing that I'm worried about when it comes to financial disaster, while you're still working, plan ahead a little bit. If your goal is to move to another home, in other words, two-story to one-story, or to another city, or to a vacation property that you've owned for a while, if your goal is to transfer your your residency or to buy something in another state, because most people are retiring outside of California, in my, uh, my experience, about one out of two, one out of three of my clients retire outside of California. It's a big deal. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be maybe one out of 10. Today, it's about half. So as people are retiring and selling their home here, I want you to consider that before, if possible, before you leave your job. So in other words, if you both still have jobs, but you're going to retire in the next 24 months, consider buying that retirement home before you retire. Why? Your income is higher. Your ability to qualify for a better loan may be higher. So you could end up with a much better financial scenario. Now, if you're going to buy a cash, but you need to loan a loan for a couple of years until you sell your main home here or until you, you cash out of your rental property, no problem. You can do it. Just get it done before you retire. So that your family is not in a position to have to say, oh, well, I guess, uh, you know, your, your cost to carry the loan, your interest rates, because who, know who knows what interest rates are going to be in the future? We know what they are now. If you can retire now, get that rental property slash retirement home, whatever it might be, buy it while you still can, while you have a good, uh, good income. Okay, when we're talking about some of the, the main things, we're going to come back after the break here, and I want to get into a couple of areas. Financial and elder abuse. As you are getting ready to retire, statistically speaking, chances are your parents are of age to begin to retire or getting pretty darn close to passing away if they haven't already. So there's an inheritance that you may be receiving, and we want to make sure that there's not an elder abuse issue that takes place. For a lot of you, you came out to California because that was the dream, right? The dream was to Make it in California, make it in L.A., with the weather, the, the family, whatever it was that mattered to you back then. And maybe your parents are, are in another state. And if they are, one or both, or they're far from you, how do you ensure that they are not being taken advantage of? How do you ensure that you are not getting hosed, uh, you know, it's a technical term, where they are not getting taken advantage of by a caregiver? Where they're not getting taken advantage of by their financial professional? How do you make sure? So I'm going to go through kind of a list of things when we come back uh, in a minute. Remember, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-888-99-RETIRE. 997-3847. Okay, so when we're talking elder abuse, when I come back after the, uh, after the break, it's really about the people usually, just so you know, it's usually about the people in their life. So 
During the break, if you want to start writing down a list of people in their life, could be a, the, the housekeeper, it could be a caregiver, it could be a niece or a nephew that, that sits in the back bedroom or sleeps in the back bedroom and goes to college close by, but they're using it. Uh, so, hey, you get to stay for free as long as you keep an eye on grandma, take out the trash, mow the lawn, do the dishes, take care of the laundry, right? Sometimes we do that. We have our nieces or nephews or cousins live with grandparents so that they can have a uh, kind of an extra eye on them, right? Well, sometimes they're the crooks. <laughs> sometimes they're the folks that have a financial stake in taking advantage of grandparents. So I want you to double check things uh, through that list. All right, so you're going to make a list. When we come back after the break, we're going to get into some issues that I find how and why your family's finances, your inheritance can be taken by those that you care for. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. This is sponsored by, of course, TFS Financial and Insurance Services. Thanks for being with me, guys. Enjoy your Sunday. I'll be back in just a minute. On your place for news, talk, and information, this is The Answer on AM870. The Answer. Strategy. I'll retire comfortably Thanks to Arab Hallaby now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now hey, folks, welcome back to the program. I'm Eric Hallaby, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer, the total financial hour. Thanks for being with us as we talk about your family's finances and hopefully getting out of debt, managing money, protecting your, your wealth, protecting what you've worked so hard for. Uh, life is not about this magic number, million, 10 million, 20 million, whatever the, the number is. It isn't about that being, in my opinion, the key to your wealth. It's about income. You know, sometimes I'll do a test. I'll tell people uh, or I'll ask folks, would you rather have a million dollars in cash or $10,000 a month for the rest of your life? If you say 10000 a month for the rest of your life, in other words, the income is what matters, then we can help. That's the kind of mindset that we work with. Why I bring that up in, in that fashion is so that you'll understand a couple of things. Number one, as we get older, the income is key to our wealth building. But don't ever forget the lump sum. Don't ever forget that there's an opportunity or a chance for bad guys to take the money from you. More importantly, from your parents. And it can and usually does affect your inheritance, of course, because it's gone. But let's understand what my experience has been when it comes to both as a a person who has elderly parents and, and in-laws, and as somebody who has seen countless, in 23 years of doing this, 20, almost 23 years, June will be 23 years. So in 23 years of working in the financial field as a professional, what have I seen in a consistent amount as baby boomers are beginning to retire as they were working with their parents years before? And here's what I have seen. If you are taken in a scam or if you are a victim you generally have this fear and you also, you're embarrassed. You're ashamed. And the fear is being declared incompetent by your family, your friends, and now they take away your freedom and they put you in a home. No different than your dad hiding 
the fact that he's crashed his car for the 15th time. You know, he's got fender benders or their judgment is off. No different than they don't like the freedom being taken from them. They, right when, when you're put in a home, I, I put quotes around that. What's the fear that people have? Lack of freedom, lack of independence, lack of relevance. So be sensitive to that. They would prefer to be taken as a victim, especially if it's a big, long scam, whatever. They're willing to say, listen, I lost 50000 but don't take my freedom. So they're going to deny it. Oh, no, I did it on purpose. I gave it to the gardener because he needed it to help his family bring him from overseas or bring him from another country. All the stuff I've heard, we've seen it. So that level of being embarrassed or ashamed, be sensitive. Your parents, your grandparents, your, they're their people too. So don't just rush in there as if you're going to you know, save the day. Sometimes they, you have to be a bit sensitive, okay? All right, I ask you to kind of write down a list before we went to break. Write down a list of people in their lives, your parents or grandparents in their lives. Not that are taking advantage of them, but who's in their life? Right, just who's in their life? Who's seeing them weekly, monthly, daily? Caregivers I've talked about, right? Sometimes I feel bad for the caregiver because it's almost like the butler, right? And whenever you watched a movie, the poor butler, he always did it, right? The butler did it. Whenever there's a, something missing in a house, it's the housekeeper. It's the caregiver, right? Maybe rightfully so many times, but sometimes they didn't do it. Sometimes it's the niece or the nephew. Sometimes it's the ex sister-in-law who still has such a close relationship with mom but she has a drug habit or an alcohol habit and she's abusing drugs and so she comes into grandma's house to steal jewelry to sell it and you don't know that because on the outside she's sweet or there's the young man who maybe got himself in a lot of trouble right there's there's a reason that gambling and loan sharks and borrowing from the mob makes great movie and television series because it's true people do borrow from loan sharks and from bad guys who will break your leg if you don't pay them right those are uh, those kinds of things still happen that's not just a movie and so when push comes to shove and a lot of these poor folks that are are feeling well grandma doesn't need the money and they can take from her so there are a lot of people sometimes it's the siblings i'm going to share a story with you this this just shocked me completely It was a brother and a sister. They were close their entire life. Loved their family. One lived here in the the L.A. area, and one lived out of state. And not too far away, an adjoining state, so close by. However, when the last of their parents passed away, all of a sudden this brother got weird, according to the sister, she was in charge of managing the estate and paying out everything and paying off the bills, selling the house, right? Because you have to, it, it isn't an honor. I don't know if it is. It isn't, a, it isn't easy, let's put it that way, to be the trustee of somebody's estate. You're kind of punishing somebody because they have to go through, they have to deal with all the legal paperwork, have to get appraisals on things, they have to sell stuff, they have to pay off things. It's a job and it is not easy. And if you do it wrong, you can be in trouble, sued fines, maybe even go to jail if you do it really wrong. Because the beneficiaries are not going to be happy if you mess it up and and cost themselves money. So the trustee was the daughter. 
Well, the brother who lived in another state suddenly shows up out of the blue. She doesn't even know it. The home is empty, right? The dad has passed away. I mean, it has furniture and stuff in it. But he pulls up to the house, and according to the neighbor, he had two people with him, pulled up in one of those rental uh, vans, big moving van kind of thing, and they unloaded every stitch of furniture, uh, jewelry, paintings on the wall, silverware, gone. Loaded up into this moving truck. The neighbor said, well, because they knew that it was the son, it was their it was their birth home, right? It's where they grew up. So she calls. She goes over there, of course, and, and, and looks at the house and says, wait a second, everything's gone. The neighbor says, oh, yeah, well, we just saw your brother here a couple of days ago. She said, no, my brother lives in another state. He lives many, many hours away. Well, it was him. So she calls him and he said, yep, I have everything. It's my insurance in case you don't pay me properly. She goes, what are you talking about? We've always been fair with each other. We've always been honest. Well, it's what I'm going to do. So suddenly, his kids don't talk to her kids. And now they have problems that run deep into the family because it's mistrust. So we went through this and I said, well, gosh, I don't know what we can do, but let, you know, we'll put you in touch with attorneys and let the attorneys do, the, do their thing. But here's what happened. His wife, the sister-in-law, daughter-in-law of the person who passed away, began whispering in his ear for a long time. Oh, your sister's going to take advantage of you. Oh, don't worry. Oh, watch out. They always, you're always going to get taken. You're not even in the same. He loved her more than you, so he's going to make sure she gets more stuff than you. Now, look, remember, who does he, who does he sleep with? Who does he live with? Right? He's going to always put a bit more emphasis, rightfully or wrong, wrong so, right? They do it. So I, I share that with you so that you can understand if you don't build a trust, a living trust, revocable living trust, if you don't meet with an attorney, if you don't have your parents or grandparents meet with an attorney and drop a trust, then don't be surprised if when all heck breaks loose, you're the one that's left holding the bag and being taken, if you will, for a ride. Because I don't want a scam or a fraud legitimately or illegitimately meaning. If the trust is built in correctly, here's what I have seen. I have seen the trust have to retain a lawyer. The beneficiary, the daughter, has to retain a different lawyer. And the son the other beneficiary has to retain a different lawyer. So now you have three lawyers. And every time they talk, it's $400 an hour times three. So every time they talk, the trust is billed $1,200 per hour. Who do you think is in, in the best interest to get this thing solved sooner rather than later? Uh, none. Why, why do they want to solve it soon? They don't care. Their goal is to not fix this because it's 1200 bucks. They'll wait until the, the trust gets down to a certain dollar figure. In fact, I have met off the record with attorneys, and they say, we look at the size of the trust, the estate. We realize how much it is that we think we can get, and we build down to that level until we solve the problem. I said, isn't that unethical? Isn't that? He goes, Eric, that's the way it's done. I said, man, that just doesn't sound right. Well, it doesn't matter if it sounds right or wrong. It's, in his opinion, what happens. So here's the other thing that I want you to watch out for, especially if your parents or grandparents have been in a home for a long time. They've been in, living at their house. They've got great neighbors. People have come and gone, but there's those three or four, eight neighbors that have just always been there. Sometimes their son or their daughter moves in after they pass away and there's a relationship. There's a trust. Hey, Susie, can you come help? Hey, Jimmy, can you take out the trash? And there's a relationship that's built 
where the neighbor suddenly starts to scam or fraud these people. So I don't want you to think that in this process of going through, you know, building your wealth and watching out for your parents and expecting an inheritance, nobody likes to talk about that. But in many cases, a client I met with just this week said, Arif, the reason I built my $400,000 retirement account is not for me. I have a pension. I have other money. I have rental property. It's going to go to my kids. I mean, unless some crazy scenario happens, but I don't plan on keeping this money. It's not for me. It's for my, I'm going to take out what I have to take out according to the, to the rules, the required minimum distributions, but it's really for my children. And I said, I have a perfect account for you. We protect it. We get reasonable gains. We can even earn a bonus, which means extra money added, added to the account immediately. It's a death benefit. If they pass away, it goes to their family. So those are great things depending on the type of account, and it removes it from some of those crazies out there that want to come and rip it off. Listen, I want to share with you a scam. We saw it some time ago. In fact, I think I first reported on it on our shows probably 10, 12 years ago. And it was a big deal because it was happening a lot prior to the internet the way the internet is today. And it went away for a while. And now we're starting to see it come back. And here's how it works. Look, remember that generation, that greatest generation, they love to to read the obituaries. Isn't that a little weird? I mean, sometimes I find myself looking up, oh, who do I know that passed away? I, I don't know why we do that. Is, is it a morbid thing? Is it a... Uh, a habit? I don't know. My mom did that for years. She still does. My dad. Right? It's what we do. Well, bad guys today on the internet can look up obituaries. And when somebody passes away, they think they're supposed to put their spouse in the obituaries. And they do. And it's public information. Off it goes. Well, realize this. Especially if one of your parents still has all their faculties and they're doing okay. And let's say it's the, the, the father that passes away first, the husband. So he dies. Everybody comes around. They make sure, Mom, do you need anything? Uh, the sister moves out from Seattle and stays for two weeks and makes sure everything's in order. Uh, the son comes by and makes sure all the bills are whatever, and, and the daughter makes sure all of the, the expenses are... Everybody covers everything. And then slowly, after a few weeks, they start going back to their normal life. And everybody just kind of checks in with Mom. Every day, we're calling Mom. Every week, we're visiting. Something is happening. No problem. But here's what the bad guys do. They look and they said, oh, in January of 2019, so-and-so passed away. Great. And they wait. And they check their watch and they wait and they know that there's a ebb and a flow of concerned family members. And as they leave and they're done and she is now adjusting to life without her spouse of many, many decades. And in the obituary... They make a mistake. He loved golf, served his country in the Marine Corps for four years, worked at this place, had a passion for this. And when the knock on the door comes, says, hi, I used to golf with your husband at this country club or at this golf course. And, you know, I just realized that he passed away. I heard about it from, from a friend or from your son or daughter. And look, I owe him $50. Oh, no, no, that's okay, Sonny. You're such a sweet boy for coming over. Just keep it. No, 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 ma'am. I owe $50. I, I borrowed it from them the last time we golfed. I, uh, uh, I lost a bet, right? Whatever it was. 
And so the knock on the door, and she's so, oh my gosh, you're such a sweet boy. Thank you. You're such a good young man. Why don't you come in for cookies and lemonade? And now his foot is in the door. And he looks around. Look, these scam artists are good. They can look at pictures. Oh, you love Lake Tahoe as well. Oh, you love to ski. Oh, I'm, when he was young, he was in part of the Boy Scouts. Oh, me too. And suddenly, you're such a sweet... You know what, ma'am? I saw that there was a tree out front. Uh, Bill was such a great guy. I think I need to trim that tree for you as a favor. I, I just need to help out around the house. And then these scam artists start ingratiating themselves into the life. And it becomes a friendly face and somebody that's more common than their own family and friends. Because you guys are back to your normal life. But nobody pays attention to the new guy. Because mom says, oh, he's so sweet, he's harmless. In fact, he's the one that gave me money. Not only did he not ask for money, he gave me money. Until the scammer drops the hammer. All right, when they do that, they could end up in a position to where they, we have seen people even sign over their home. I remember, uh, some of you might know, I was a Los Angeles police officer for about uh, just under 11 years. And I was working in Van Nuys in the late 80s, early 90s, early, like 1990, I guess. And we got a call to a house, and I remember somebody, there was a Rolls Royce in the garage, and somebody bought the house, and they come over to the home, they wrote a check, they got the keys, they opened the garage door, everything is gone from the house, all the furnishings are gone, but there's a Rolls Royce in the garage. So they call the real estate agent, and no answer. And it happens for quite a long time, and eventually they call the police. So we go, we go to their home. We said, what's going on? Why are you calling the police over the former owners left, a, uh, you know, the sellers left a Rolls Royce in the garage? They said, well, we'd love to keep it. You know, that'd be great if it comes with the house, but we think they just forgot it. By the time we do some research, we find out that the owners were in a long-term trip in Europe, three months. And some crook came and sold a house he didn't even own and collected the check. And then took everything that was inside of the house as if it was his and stole it. But he couldn't get the Rolls Royce started. And he figured it had a VIN number and you could track it. So he just left it probably. So these people bought a house that they never even owned. So they didn't really, they couldn't really buy the house because it wasn't theirs. And it wasn't the other guys to sell it. He sold a house that wasn't even his. And it's funny today, you know, I drove by with my kids every once in a while in the same area because it's off of a main street. You can see it from a main street that you get on the freeway, on the 405 freeway. And I look over and I always think about that. I mean, it's what, been 30 years, something like that? And I still think of it as if it was yesterday because I remember the look on this young couple's face. One, because they thought they got a deal on the house because they paid cash. They thought, oh, what, we got a great deal. Well, yeah, you did. And this guy took the cash and left. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars, guys. Even back then, it was hundreds of thousands. So make sure that these bad guys don't end up selling your, your mom's house out from under her, right? There's some things that you have to do. Okay. One of the, the things I want to warn you about, and I see this time and again, have accounts that have beneficiaries or transfer on death. Total Financial Solutions, our job, TFS Financial and Insurance Services, my job is simple. It's to help you protect some of your principal, keep it from going down, keeping the market from losing, keeping your money from going backwards, and putting you in a position to where you don't lose when the principal or when the market goes backwards. All right. 
It's to also make sure that the beneficiaries are whom you choose. And if they change, we change them. So the beneficiaries circumvent probate. In other words, if it's a life insurance or IRA or 401k, any kind of retirement account or an annuity, anything with a beneficiary that's a part of it, then it doesn't have to go through the court system or probate. It goes directly to who you want. All right. Why does this matter? Because when you have a bank account that's just a standard bank account, you can put a TOD, transfer on death provision, on many bank accounts. It doesn't have to be a retirement account. So which means it belongs to that person after, it belongs to the beneficiary after that person passes away. Here's the risk though. I don't want you to have an account, your parents or, or grandparents account, where your name and their name is a joint owner. Check with your, your estate planning attorney. I think you're going to find that they're not happy. Not at all. Because then it becomes both of yours. It's 100% both your property. So if you are on $100,000 of your parents' uh, uh, savings account as a joint owner in case something happens to mom and whatever, so we put you on as a joint owner, and, and well, what happens is you get a divorce and your ex-husband says, I want half of that money. Say, but it's not my money. You know that it's my mom money. Well, then leave me my pension or I take half of your mom's money. This has happened time and again, guys. So you make sure. How do you still have your oldest daughter or your oldest son still have access to the funds without having to go through the court system? Number one is transfer on death, but that's after you pass away. But what about considering an authorized user? Authorized user of the account means they can spend the money, but they are not entitled to the money. They don't own the funds. They just can use the funds, just like on a credit card. If I want to be on my mom's credit card so that I can go online and check it out and, and see what she's spending money on, or if I want to look at the checking account online and make sure that nobody's taking out large deposits or there's a problem, then make sure that you are what's called an authorized user. Have the sign-in passwords. That's great. But don't become a joint owner. All right? Now, look, that's been my experience. You're going to check with your CPA or your tax attorney or whoever it is that's relevant to the stuff I'm talking about because you always have to make sure that you're protecting your family. You always make sure that you are not in a position of losing if something happens, whether it's a scam artist or a crook, right? And remember, sometimes I said, look, it's the brother or the sister, but sometimes it's the spouse of the brother and the sister. I ne it, you never know who's whispering in somebody's ear. Oh, don't let mom talk to you that way. Don't let your sister, you know, she's always, you know, your brother's always such a, don't let him. You've heard those things. Well, when it comes to mom's money or dad's money and, and who they want the dollars to go to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll end with this little story. We had a lady who was an only child, right? So she wasn't, she didn't have any issues like that. The parents owned multi-millions of dollars worth of apartment buildings in, uh, in the Santa Barbara area. So they, they had lots of wealth, paid off, lots of income. And the daughter was in her 50s. And we were working with her retirement accounts. And she had a really small retirement account. And I said, okay, you and your husband make this much money. Uh, are you saving each month? Do you want to put any money each month? Nope. Okay, well, you have like $10,000 in your retirement accounts. Do you want to add to it each year? No. I said, so what are you guys going to do? Both of you are spending everything that you're making. What do you want to do for your future? She said, Eric, both my, my parents are in their 80s. I'm their only child. I'm going to inherit millions of dollars worth of apartment building. So I don't really need 
to plan. That's why I'm spending all my money now. That's why I'm enjoying life now. Because whenever they pass away, it's probably going to be before I retire. So I'm not worried about it. I said, wow, okay. So then, of course, the parents were clients. And I meet with them. And here's what they said. We would never leave our money or our apartment building to our daughter. She doesn't respect her own money. We're not going to leave her a penny. Now, look, I was in a position where I couldn't tell her. Like, oh, hello. And so... They didn't have her down as the beneficiary because they said, look at how much disrespect she shows her own money. She doesn't even save. She doesn't even plan. She, she splurges. She buys this and she goes first class and she eats at these restaurants. We were frugal our entire life. That's how we were able to accumulate wealth. There's no way in the world I want her to be in charge of our money after we pass away. It wouldn't make sense. She would blow it in no time. So you better make sure, Erf, that you take care of her. I'm like, oh gosh, what am I supposed to do? So I said very nicely and yet firmly on more than one occasion, uh, why don't you guys sit down with her and let her know how you feel? Because she may not be saving. Like, look, I can't tell them how much she saved or didn't. I said, but she may not be saving enough for retirement. And if the goal is to protect your wealth, not just from the market, but from unscrupulous people, people in your life that might take money from you, including your kids, you might want to just let them know where you are financially. So don't forget, if you're expecting an inheritance and you blow your money, your parents aren't dumb. They see it. They watch it. They know how, how much you respect or disrespect your own funds. And you do with your kids. We all love our children. But we all know if there's a child that is uh, frivolous with money or we, we, we just don't respect that as much, do we? Because we work for it. So be careful with that. Thanks for listening, folks. My name is Arif Hallaby. Look, I'm always happy that you give us a call at uh, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. The total financial hour by TFS, Financial and Insurance Services. That's us on your place for news, talk, and information. This is The Answer, AM870, The Answer. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. The Total Financial Hour is pre recorded and brought to you by Total Financial Solutions. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.